0: This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And this month, I have a group of individuals who are here to share. Uh, how they came together during the COVID crisis, the pandemic, the shutdown, to kind of unite as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to come together for prayer over Zoom. The person that uh, initiated this is Peter Rosser. and so Peter, welcome to the show, and I'm going to let you kick off the show from here.
0: Thanks, Letty, and uh, thank you for inviting us uh, to share our uh, our story with you and with your audience. So. Uh, in March of uh, 2020, uh, my wife and I were uh, supposed to be in Europe for a month. And so we were actually, we left for Spain to March 1st. And then, um, of course, um, the outbreak just kind of uh, grew exponentially while we were away. And then uh, we got a call from uh, our kids and then from the government telling Canadians to come home. Um, and so we arrived home on, uh, I think, March 17th. Um, in the middle of uh, the lockdown, we had to go right into quarantine in our homes. Our kids had put food in the house. And that was the first time in, in my life um, that I knew I wasn't going to be going to Mass. And we were within two weeks of Easter. And there was not going to be Holy Thursday celebration, Good Friday liturgy, um, Easter Sunday. That had kind of all evaporate. And of course, my wife and I found ourselves... Uh, having lots of time on our hands. We were just kind of, there was no place to go. Uh, you kind of looking at each other. It's it still was pretty cool here, weather-wise. And um, so I, I just thought, well, I'm gonna miss particularly the community aspect of prayer. There was certainly lots of time for prayer reflection, but it was kind of solitary. So I, I got together with a colleague. I sent out an email, she did too. There was some posts on uh, social media. And we just invited people to come together uh, for a compline. We thought, well, we will, we'll pray at night when everything's kind of settled down. We picked nine o'clock to see what happened. And basically, we ended up with this group. Um, we've got 15 people. Um, and uh, last night, uh, we, we gathered for prayer last night, and it was our uh, one-year anniversary. And I think a lot of people were surprised that it had, had the legs to last that long. Yeah, and, and that's basically how it, how it started.
1: That's beautiful. And so a question I have for you, or I'd like you to kind of go into a little bit, is you mentioned nine o'clock, complying. Not everybody understands that language. Can you kind of explain what that kind of prayer is?
0: Yeah, it's, um, it, it's taken from the Liturgy of the Hours. It, it's basically night prayer. That, that's the word that you use for night prayer. It's actually quite short um it's essentially is five minutes we kind of picked it It was okay people may or may not have time we weren't sure who were going to respond um but what we added to it normally there's a there's a reading there's a psalm um there's a very short reading um there's the gospel canticle from luke um at, at jesus's presentation in the temple um and we added to that we decided um that we would include a short reflection that people could comment on, on the psalm or the reading for the day. And then we added intercessions too, because we knew that there was going to be a lot of people to pray for during the pandemic. Um, and so what started out as kind of a five minute prayer, uh, I think initially turned into about 20 to 25 minutes. And, and then now uh, we spend 20 minutes talking before we pray. And then we pray and then we spend another 15, 20 minutes talking. So, uh, and that's that's so,
1: well, I just want to say that's so beautiful because that's where a lot of the joy of coming together as a people of God uh, occurs, right. In the sharing of hearts and the sharing of lives, it's that Christian fellowship that we hunger for, you know, and that's what you were achieving. uh, It sounds like, um, with these weekly or or however often you were meeting.
0: Yeah. and, and, and I think the, the other members with it can probably comment on, on the, on how the group has changed Yeah, from initially being uh, a collection of uh, some of us knew each other, but uh, not the way we do now anyway. So uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot more connectedness now.
1: Beautiful. That's the Holy spirit at work, right. Kind of binding your hearts together and what a beautiful gift that is. So I'd like to ask Christine, you know, um, start out with asking you, you know, Why did you say yes, Christine, to joining this group?
2: Thank you, Lenny. Um, I said yes mostly because I was asked. And I think a lot of times when you're asked to do something or you're invited to participate, it's just an invitation to consider to explore the possibilities. I was connected to the group through Peter, through a mutual friend of ours, the other person who helped start the group. Her name's Mary. She was a colleague of mine from 15 plus years ago when we worked abroad together with the Franciscans. And she just reached out to me and said, if you're interested in joining this group, it's going to kick off starting that coming week. And then from there on out, we started meeting every night. And I believe we met 64 nights in a row before we then switched to a more weekly format. But um, a lot of the members in the group just had peripheral connections to each other. And we had different opportunities to kind of experience and join together in our faith. And I think when we were talking about why we were interested and why we were motivated, a lot of it came down to timing that people, like Peter said, wanted to have some semblance of structure or control, but there were a lot of unknowns, and I think we took a lot of comfort and um, empathy in each other and just trying to collectively go through some of the similar experiences that we were having, and this was something that we were all kind of experiencing together. We kept hearing that phrase, we're all in this together at the start of the pandemic. And we were trying to just build that kind of initial community and respond to that accordingly. Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Can you speak a little bit about the different age ranges and
2: stuff involved in this prayer group? Sure, I think that's one of the things that, really makes our group very unique is that we have lots of different um, members from different parts of both the U.S. We have a lot of people who are in Canada, too, so it's a nice geographic mix. Um, We have people who are in their 20s up to through their 80s, so it's a nice mix of um, different people. I think Peter's the only male, (laughs) but (laughs) otherwise um, we have some great female representation, so different viewpoints. There also are people who are not Catholic too. We have a handful of members who are um, still within the Christian faith, but just different denominations. And what I think is really nice too is um, it's a lot of different mix of perspectives. We have things that unite us, but then there are other things that um, help in terms of dialogue and discussion. And lately we've been doing a lot more of that conversation too, which I think is nice. It's not just a perspective of this is our faith and this is how we come from this set of experiences or beliefs, but bringing that alternative viewpoints and knowing that people come from Again, a lot of mix of um, politics, demographics, religious experiences, like they're all their various backgrounds that it really contributes to that conversation as well.
1: Mm, That's very beautiful. And, you know, in a time when there's so much division going on in the world for all these different reasons, right? It's nice to see a group coming together despite differences and finding the commonality, which is Christ, right?
2: Exactly. I think we're very united in that sense. And it's a really, it's an incredible community. I think we're all very grateful for that gift. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful.
1: Virginia, let's talk a little bit about those first 64 days.
3: Well, the first 64 days were quite beautiful getting to know everybody. I initially thought I could commit to one hour each night. It's easier to pray with a group of people than uh, pray by yourself. So uh, it initially started with just group prayer and writing these short reflections based on what we were uh, praying about in the scripture passages that we chose. And initially it it evolved into more personal reflections, uh, if you will. So to use uh, Christine as an example, I had shared a reflection and some scripture, and in my reflection I spoke about my daughter who has and continues to battle with some health issues and after that reflection she had sent me an email and had asked asked for uh, my address because she had said i want to i want to send you both something so i provided that to her and uh, in the package that we received uh, were two bottles of uh, lords water and prayer cards and you know it it just was very beautiful and and touching to receive that from her you know just we never met face-to-face, but knowing that these people in, in the group care so deeply about you uh, over the span of just two and a half months, uh, just by what you read and that that had touched her, that she felt the call to send that to uh, my daughter and myself was, was really special. And I had also, on a personal uh, level, had, had known Peter through the Catholic Youth Organization since I was a teenager, And what I didn't know prior to that was that he had known my father. He had been friends with my dad. So it was nice to reconnect with him through the prayer group.
1: What a gift. Thank you, Peter, for your yes. It's beautiful. Okay, so back to you, Peter. Let's talk a little bit about the format of your meetings for the prayer um, group. Like, how how did you coordinate all of this?
0: Um, Well, uh... Part of my prayer life has been to to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, I usually only pray, maybe only pray morning prayer or night prayer or evening prayer or something like that. So it was uh, in talking with one of the colleagues, uh, Mary Craig. So we looked at at night prayer because the format is pretty straightforward. He said, it's very easy, so you can kind of uh, uh, type it up and send it out to everybody. But then the idea was, what if we challenged people to, I think a part of my concern was, um, I didn't want to get into the idea that we, you know, we could just go in there and say, an Our Father, three Hail Marys and a Glory Be, and then everybody say, okay, well, we're done. The idea was to kind of challenge people. And so we did kind of come up with the idea, why don't we um, put in a reflection, does Virginia mentioned like a, a short homily, to write a short homily. And, and I think um, for all of us, uh, you know, we've been to Mass thousands of times, and we've uh, probably complained about poor homilies a lot of those times, Or, and we can remember the really good ones. And then, so in a sense, it was kind of like, okay, let's see how good we could do. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, it's one thing to say it wasn't a very good homily, it's another thing to kind of write one yourself and try and do it. And I, and I think what really impressed me was um, a few things. First off, I think people took it initially as a challenge. I think there was some real uh, frustrations about, oh, uh, how is the group, particularly at the beginning, um, am I gonna look silly? Mm-hmm. Am I thoughts not going to be you know, very sophisticated? Um, but I think um, what came out of it is you took uh, these 15 who were um, well-established Christians and probably better established in their faith than they actually realized. And there was a lot of, uh, I think, um, opportunity was grasped to kind of say, you know what, I've always wanted to say this and I've never had the opportunity to do it. And I was uh, completely impressed. And I think a lot of people were with the ideas that came out of each and every one in the group. Um, And then as uh, Christine mentioned, they, they started out as being kind of just homilies, and then they became homilies with some real personal stories attached to them. Um, so
1: that's beautiful. And again, it's it's a sharing of the depths of our hearts, which requires vulnerability with one another, right? And that's hard to do sometimes. But we long for that kind of intimacy. We long for that kind of sharing and depth because that's truly who we are, right? we We have a lot of things going on in our hearts, so it's a beautiful thing when we can reach deeper in there and share that with other people that we come to know and trust. So we have a couple more minutes before the end of this segment. I would like to ask if we can share like one of the reflections. So Sarah, would you like to share uh, one of the reflections you wrote?
4: Um, Sure, we actually as a group had kind of picked one of the main ones we'd really like to share. I didn't personally write this one, okay. but I'm gonna share it on behalf of Mary Craig who we've mentioned a couple of times. Okay. So this one is called God Comes to the Lonely City. And this reflection was one of our original reflections within kind of the first week of us gathering as a group. And it was in preparation for Easter. So it kind of set us off on our journey to kind of get this to this point again, that year later, kind of coming to the same point of our one year anniversary. So Mary's reflection was based off of Lamentations. So it was chapter one, verses one to four as well as she did draw from John chapter 16, verses 31 to 33. And again, her title was God Comes to the Lonely City. If this was an ordinary year, the lamentation that was read tonight would be used by Christians around the world in Tenebrae services. Tenebrae services revive an older monastic tradition where the morning and evening prayers, similar to the prayer we have been sharing each day as a virtual community, For Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Saturday are grouped together and prayed ahead of time or anticipated so that these three days could focus on celebrating the Tritium liturgies. When they weren't challenging society, the prophets of scripture gave comfort in their assurances and hope for the future that like all things, suffering also ends. Sometimes, like tonight's readings, they comfort by simply knowing and articulating our feelings. As C.S. Lewis defined friendship, sometimes all we need is someone to whom we can say, you too, I thought I was the only one. Tonight's lamentation can become that moment when we are assured that we are not the only one and we can say you too and be assured that we are not the only one. Jerusalem, the beautiful symbol of all of God's people. They too sat lonely. The city was once full of people they wept bitterly in the night with tears on their cheeks, feeling as though there was no one to comfort her and went into exile. As we approach very different, very isolated Easter's, we can say, you too, to even the roads of Zion for not one comes to their festivals, to her gates desolate, to her priests groaning and to young girls grieving. In tonight's reading, Jesus' life and passion to be with both the earlier suffering of God's beloved people and the experiences of us his beloved people today no Jesus was not speaking about social distancing when he said the hour is coming indeed it has come when you'll be scattered each one to his home and you will leave me alone but of the hours we will soon commemorate when he was alone as his family and friends and his church were scattered and divided and despairing Yet Jesus' own words give us two assurances, one for today and one for the future. Today he says to us, I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. Jesus, who called Emmanuel, because it means God, is with us, came to be with us to know our humanity, including its loneliness, and to be with us now in these difficult days and give us peace. His presence, says to us that we are not the only ones. And as we approach the tritium, we remember that Jesus' presence, his Emmanuel, is not just to keep us company today or to assure us that he has been through similar things too. No, Jesus reminds us not just that, in the world you face persecution, but to take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus came to be with us, not just so that we would not be alone, but to destroy the very things that would keep us from communion with God and with each other, sin, death, and hopelessness. As we begin these sacred days, let us do so embracing our identity as an Easter people, knowing that we are beloved enough that God has made a way to be with us, both in that which we would leave us alone in despair today, and also bring us through these things to new life, new hope, and resurrection joy. Thank you. That,
1: that's very beautiful. And here we are recording this on the Wednesday of Holy Week, the day before the Triduum begins. So how, um, how fitting, providential even. It is time for a commercial break, but I would ask that our listeners don't go away. Please come back and stay with us because after the commercial break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the maturing of this group, um, they're going to share some more of the reflections that they uh, were inspired to write because clearly this was all led by the Holy Spirit, or it would not have lasted a full year. And thank you all for listening. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life.
0: A prayer for deliverance with Father John Purigas Town. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels. And we come against any influence of the occult or the new age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, the children, their grandchildren, the nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters of families. And we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices. And we invoke Mother Mary also and all the saints and in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus. I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners. And may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May you send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them. And may our mother Mary place her mother in the man to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis
5: after the fall. Amen.
0: Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed Fixed-rate annuities. Call 847 548 Nat 847 548 Welcome back, this is Products not know. available in this all states. Of Life
1: on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And I am here with four members of a prayer group, the prayer group, that got established during the first week of the shutdown in um, 2020. And uh, they were sharing about how they came to gather together as a people of God. And... Um, from some of the members that are not present with us today and maybe I know that they shared some of their thoughts as well. So
2: Christine, can you share that? Sure, Letty. Um, So we heard from a couple of our members and the first one is named Arlene and this is what she said when we asked and when we were talking about why she was first interested and attracted to joining the bird group. She said, I remember a time when we went just into lockdown. Everyone in my family began working from home, a blessing for us all except for Lou, who continues to work at the office closing real estate deals. Although he continues to take all the precautions, masks, hand sanitizers, disinfectant wipes, social distancing, it's been a big worry that he may come in contact with the virus. I started the lockdown in panic mode. What if the unthinkable happened? I remember the only thing that helped me was the fear in the night story of Jesus in the boat. I held on to that story for security and peace of mind. About this time, I received the email about starting a prayer group. It was a no brainer for me, a lifeline to cope with a fear. I've always maintained that there are no coincidences. Things happen for a reason to help us with our life struggles. Our prayer group has been that lifeline for me. Each person offers an individual perspective on surviving the pandemic. It has made all the difference. And this is the initial reason why I joined the prayer group. Thanks for asking. So glad you started it. Beautiful. So that was from Marlene. The next one is from another member, a woman named Lorraine. She said, it was nothing philosophical, my joining in the prayer group. First, it was because I was asked. I definitely felt an urgent need to do something productive in concern and compassion for the global pandemic. So praying privately or in a group, especially in the absence of churches being open, was an automatic Perhaps God had a hand in assembling our group. He does move in a mysterious way. And he probably has a chuckle chuckle over my struggle with the reflections as well. Keep well and stay safe, continued prayers.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. So can we talk a little bit more about some of the maturing changes that occurred in the group as you evolved throughout the months of the pandemic?
4: Sarah? Yes, of course. So I think one of the big things with the maturing of the group was, as we kind of touched on earlier, we we started the group in kind of this rush of, oh my goodness, churches are going to be closed. The pandemic is starting. What is happening? And we formed this community, but at the same time, everyone knew each other the odd way, but very much on a surface level. And I think as we came together each night and that kind of ritual, as Virginia had mentioned of kind of, you know, accountability to be there each and every day. That's when everyone kind of started to almost become this family and we're united in the fact that we all respected and cared for each other, but we were here for a common purpose. And I know that for me, especially in terms of us maturing as a group, I I I being the youngest person in the group with a lot of people who are so much more in terms of wiser beyond my years, I think that's how we did all mature. Whereas everyone looked at each person as having something to offer versus, you know, in a comparison of, well, you know, I already heard this story, or I know what the classic homily is going to be about this reflection. Everyone was able to kind of bring in their own perspective, as we've mentioned. But with that kind of comfort and trust in everyone else, we began to have those personal stories mentioned. And, you know, the intentions that we were praying for became a lot more, you know, oh, I have a personal intention today. And everyone was a little bit more willing to share that, knowing that the support was there within the group. And I think the, the best thing for me with the maturing of the group so far is now with our conversations, everyone knows so much more about each other. So as like my grandfather had mentioned, you know, we get on and we're talking for 20 minutes before we even start the prayer for the night. But everyone's remembering or going, you know, oh, Virginia, how did this go? You mentioned this last week or, oh, you're now doing this. Did you, did you find out the results of this test or anything like that with our daily lives? But that community has formed. And now I think all of us can't imagine our days without it.
1: So beautiful. And I'm so glad you mentioned, Sarah, that Peter's your grandfather. Because I was going to ask. I'm like, I see that you both have the same last name on this Zoom meeting. But I don't know exactly how you're related. I'm guessing how you might be related. But thank you for (laughs) clarifying that. And I think it is so beautiful that you as a woman in your 20s, I guess, being the youngest, (laughs) um, that you have felt so... uh, comfortable and part of this group in a way that meets your spiritual needs as a 20-something year old woman versus, you know, others in different ranges of life. And um, again, that speaks to God's grace uniting you and the fact that you are a spiritual family now. What a beautiful thing that is. So thank you for sharing. Virginia, is there anything else you wanted to add about this?
3: So not only in our reflections and personal petitions has our group Evolved and become more close, but as well as giving advice to other members of the group. So, for example, you know, we um, if if members of our group are dealing with something, not only will we, of course. Uh, pray for them but we encourage them through through other ways like oh you know don't worry for example uh, our friend lorraine is in the midst of uh, moving so she's really worried about uh selling her house and we're like lorraine you're not going to have any problem selling selling your house or christine um, we have another uh, member in our group named christine who uh, is is waiting very patiently to to get her vaccination and is not making any headway and we are encouraging her uh, to continue the fight in, in emailing her member of uh, parliament uh, out in Canada. So that's on a personal level, but also our group has evolved in terms of uh, musical selections, if you will. So at the beginning, we were just uh, listening to music that you would typically hear in church, but um, it's evolved also to listening to music uh, in various different languages. Uh, as well as worship music uh, that uh, not only you would hear on Spotify, but uh, we've included YouTube. We've also, um, Mary has uh, uh, had videos of her students uh, that they've shown at her high school. Uh, we've also had uh, personal photos that we've shared of our family members. So uh, as you can see with those examples, our group has grown uh, a lot closer in, in, over the course of this year
1: sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I think again just one of the remarkable things that have that I've heard about this prayer group is that at some point someone got the idea that you maybe should publish a book about these reflections that you had been writing and sharing with each other. So how can Christine, can you share a little bit about how that started and Peter feel free to jump in?
2: Sure. So, I think when we first started off and we were doing some of those mini reflections and homilies, we just were really touched and moved by a lot of the sentiments and the experiences people were sharing. And as we started progressing through them, I think they became much more personal and they were very individualized to people's experiences. And I just remember one night thinking to myself, like, we're really sharing some powerful experiences and stories here. And I would love to reread them because as much as I can hear them in my heart or at the moment, I want to kind of go back and ponder and think about them. So we just started talking about it and the idea came that maybe we could collect these. Maybe we could compile them in a way and make them into a format that we can go back and we can share with other people. We can reference if we want to have for our own self-reflection, but they were really strong and really beautifully written homilies and mini reflections that I think we all just wanted to kind of revisit. So we started to um, compile them and essentially um, I helped facilitate some of the editing initially, but more of the like, I would say consistency in the formatting and making sure that it was looking pretty and all of that good stuff. And then um, as people were occasionally um, more comfortable if they couldn't type it as easily or if um, we need to have it transcribed. I worked with Sarah to make sure that we had recordings available and we did the transcriptions every night. And then we just um, started to compile it. And Peter's wife um, very kindly and generously started to take over editing responsibilities. And so Don was our kind of editor in chief <laughs> initially of like um, the structure. And we decided to self publish it. And I'm sure Peter can kind of speak to a little bit more how that process worked. But the marketer in me, I'm a um, work in market research and marketing by day, really wanted to just get this out there. And I thought that it could be the next bestseller on the New York Times list if we wanted it to be. So still could be, but we haven't really published it too far and wide just yet, more of our inner circles preliminarily.
1: Okay, beautiful. I think that's amazing that you even had the the grace and the drive to do something like that in a pretty relatively short amount of time. I mean, that takes work. (laughs) And yet you guys were able to work across countries and time zones and, you know, uh, to get it together that's a that's an amazing testament to your commitment to this sharing that you want to do with each other
2: and yeah. beyond and beyond thank you it became a fun project too honestly and it was something i think we were all talking about like we were sharing with our friends and family members like we're part of this prayer group and so it became a nice point of conversation
1: yes well. And I was very happy to receive a copy from Virginia recently in preparation for this radio show. So thank you. I have been touched by some of the story. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I've certainly read some of the stories, and they are quite inspiring and beautiful. Peter, was there anything else you wanted to add about the process? Well,
0: I will. Um, it, it was, uh, I think, uh, Christine and Mary's idea to compile the, the data. I had some experience in self-publishing with, uh, with Amazon. Um, So we can say, okay, this is quite easy and it's time consuming, but in a sense it's easy to do. But I think one of the things that struck me was that um, sometimes Zoom isn't always, uh, the quality of Zoom with 15 people on, sometimes it doesn't doesn't turn out so well. And a lot of times when you're listening to a reflection for the first time, um, you miss a sentence or two sentences or something like that and you say, gee, I want to go back and revisit that because here's, here's somebody who made a, a statement. Um, and, I, and I'll give you an example because this is one that stayed with me. Um, my, my older sister is also part of the group and we, and she did a, 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 made a comment about, uh, uh, about the visitation, about Mary going to visit Elizabeth. And it struck me, she said, the fact that Elizabeth knew that Mary was with child relieved Mary of the stress of having to explain that she was pregnant. And it struck me as, I never thought of that before. Uh, and, and from a completely human perspective, that must have been an extremely anxious time for Mary. Um, and so publishing this, uh, because it's like an anthology, you can go back and just read you know three pages you don't have to read the whole book but you can just read three pages and the fact that we did 64 days in a row and all 64 reflections were uh compiled by uh christine and sarah doing recordings and, and millions of well thousands and thousands of words of typing and all the rest of it i, I actually uh i think everybody's very pleased with the quality of the production type of thing
1: that's amazing.
0: And Lorraine, who is also part of the group, um, is a, is a painter. So her cover is is on the, is on that. And uh, Virginia's daughter, um, she did the design work and pulled it all together. So it's kind of a completely in house production.
1: That's that's beautiful. Can you share with the listeners how they would obtain a copy of this book?
0: Sure. Well, it's available on Amazon. Um, you type in the title, "Birds uh, in a Pandemic." Oh, it ask for an author. We use the synonym, so it's, the author's name is John Mark, which is taken from the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> um, or they could send us an email, and uh, we could also facilitate it. And uh, so, if, if you want to later on, you can publish the. There's a, the prayer group itself has an email address, and, and we can uh, maybe put that at the end of the at the end of the, the show tonight. Just to, if they want to get all those, or not just order a book if they uh, uh, want to submit prayers. We're quite open to praying for people's intentions as well. So
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's start sharing a few more of these reflections. So Virginia, I'd like to hear from you and the one entitled love and
3: compassion. Sure. Thank you, Letty. I'll be happy to share that one with you and the listeners. The mass readings today were a nice bridge from Christine's reflection last night and what I am reflecting on tonight. The first reading in a snapshot comes from Acts 5, chapter 17, verse 26, where the apostles were thrown in jail by the high priest because he was jealous. That night, the angel of the Lord opened the door of the prison and let them out with the instruction to go to the temple and tell the people everything. Doing what they were told, they went to the temple that morning and taught. When the high priest asked the court officers to bring the apostles to the court, he was informed that they were not in prison but were teaching at the temple. The court officers brought them in with no force because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Then we heard the psalm, I will bless the Lord. His praise shall always be in my mouth. My soul will glory in the Lord. Let the poor hear and be glad. Look to him and be radiant. This poor one cried out and the Lord heard. And from all his distress, he saved him. Psalm 34 verses 1 through 3. Five through 6. We see elements of both the first reading and the psalm in today's gospel. In reflecting on the gospel, I find a few lines to be of importance, at least to me. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, and that the light came into the world. Whoever lives the truth comes to the light. I immediately think of Les Mis. I didn't read the book, but I've seen the musical countless times over. Jean Valjean transforms from a criminal. He has shown forgiveness and seeks his own forgiveness, becoming a man who has seen the light. He tries to do good by others through his acts of love and compassion. His strong belief that love, compassion, and forgiveness will always win, no matter how dark your past, is what gets him through. I remember 20 years ago when I was a student teaching 8th grade in Steubenville, Ohio, and one of the planned field trips was seeing a court case in the jail. We walked down the hallway with the prisoners in their orange jumpsuits, and as soon as we saw this, they came up to the plexiglass and started banging on it, yelling at the kids and making catcalls at the girls. I was intimidated. I cannot imagine how the kids must have felt. Earlier that year, in May 1999, two of my friends, Aaron Land and Brian Muha, were innocently murdered. It was a gang initiation. They were sleeping in their house when it was broken into, and they were kidnapped and killed. I wondered if one of their killers was still in there as we were walking by. Um, Brian's mother, Rachel, started a foundation in her son's name. At that point, I shared her story uh, with the group. Rachel inspired me to want to teach in a low-income, diverse, transient neighborhood. I, too, wanted to make a difference. Many of the families who sent their kids to Our Lady of Humility sought a better life for their kids, where they had better examples in their life, where there was stability, where standards were higher, where they knew they would be valued as human beings and cared for, and where they, their parents would not be looked down upon because they were a mechanic or worked at a farm. Fast food restaurant, or didn't speak English as their first language, or needed to buy groceries with food stamps, or because their kids were in jail and now were being raised by their grandparents. I spent the majority of my teaching career at OLH, and I'm a better person because of it. The love I received from this community is far greater than I could have ever imagined. While Rachel wasn't one of the 12 apostles, she certainly is a disciple. We are called to be disciples and help others see Christ, to bring them from darkness to light. As St. Francis of Assisi said, we're all called to preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Rachel and Brian and Aaron's Story, But as I said, uh, Rachel started a foundation in her son's uh, name, and uh, it's the uh, Brian Muha Foundation, and the program is Run the Race, and it's out of Columbus, Cleveland, and Steubenville. It's a place for teens to go after school to just exert their energy, um, to be mentored, to be tutored. Uh, basically to, you know, go after school instead of perhaps putting themselves in a bad uh, situation. So if you would like to learn more about Brian Muha Foundation and Rachel's story, there's a lot of information on the internet, you can Google uh, search it and you all know, it'll pop up for you.
1: Wow, that's beautiful sharing. And again, just how I, what it brings to mind is how God turns even horrible things into great good through his people. Right. And, um, definitely a beautiful example of God's love and compassion flowing through her after that terrible tragedy. Absolutely. Um, so believe it or not, it is time for another commercial break um but there's so much more to hear so don't go away please um stay with us because when we come back uh there's more reflections to share as well as perhaps what the prayer group is going to do in the future this is letty medina with fullness of life and we'll be back right after this short break
2: Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the Word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the
0: message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Lenny Medina with Fullness of Life, and I am here with um, four members of a prayer group that uh, has evolved over the pandemic. And we've—they've been sharing um, how they got started, how the—the the format of their meetings, um, the evolution of the group, the maturing of the group, the um, changes to a deeper type of sharing, personal sharing, basically the development and growth of a spiritual family, which is. Such a beautiful gift, um, especially during a time when we're so isolated from one another because of the pandemic. So why don't we continue with sharing another beautiful reflection that uh, one of the members was inspired to write. Christine, can you share Pilgrims on the Journey? Sure. I'd
2: be happy to. So the hymn that I played when I wrote this reflection is the Servant Song. And the reflection starts off as follows. For over 60 years, during the first weekend in May, the Order of Malta has traveled to Lourdes, a town in southern France, to peacefully visit Marian sanctuaries and shrines. During this time, nearly 10,000 chaplains, knights, Danes, doctors, nurses, volunteers, and companions from 45 countries assist over 1,300 malads, or those who are sick or experiencing illnesses as they retrace the footsteps of St. Bernadette. St. Bernadette, a poor young girl, saw apparitions of our Blessed Mother in 1858. Since that time, countless healings have taken place. Attending this pilgrimage is truly life-changing. It is absolutely beautiful to encounter the spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional experiences that occur for the Malads, their companions, and all of the volunteers. We have witnessed firsthand true miracles. Malads who have been cured of illnesses that defy any medical explanations. And there are other miracles too. Companions who often receive the gifts of peace and time and friendships that develop among teens. Faith in action is evident everywhere. You cannot help but leave Lourdes feeling spiritually renewed and reinvigorated. On the day we arrive and at the first mass that is held, we typically sing the song played earlier, the servant song. I am always struck by the words, will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. I have had the tremendous privilege to participate in three previous pilgrimages to Lourdes, and I was supposed to leave today to go again. Obviously, this year is different. But the words of the song remain in my head. How can I be a servant to others? How can I be like Christ to you? Where can I offer and receive grace? In many ways during this pandemic, I feel helpless. I don't work on the front lines as a medical or essential worker. But I'm also struck by the moments that I see and experience firsthand every day. The gratitude and prescriptions that are delivered to family members. My neighbor's happiness when she enjoys some homemade food I've prepared, a socially distanced walk with a friend, taking an online course in a new subject, waiting patiently at home, reading a library book, saying the rosary, reconnecting with family members, friends, and colleagues, and doing video and phone calls. And then I think about this prayer group and how I genuinely believe that we are helping one another. Not just with nightly prayers and intentions, but in sharing details of our experiences and purposely listening and being there as a community. We are truly in it together. After all, as the song says, we are pilgrims on the journey. We are travelers on the road. We are here to help each other, walk the mile and bear the load. Wow.
1: <laughs> Very beautiful. Thank you. Um. I have a great love for the Blessed Mother, and I've never been to Lourdes. It's on my bucket list. I definitely want to get there someday. Um, I think uh, if anyone listening heard Virginia share earlier that one of the things Christine did in response to one of Virginia's um, personal sharings was she mailed a bottle of Lourdes water to Virginia for her daughter, who has been suffering, um, and again, to me, that's just a, a beautiful uh, example of God's love flowing from your heart, Christine, and your experience of the healings you've been witness of at Lourdes and wanting to share that healing love with Virginia and her family. And such a beautiful thing. Thank you.
2: It's a real gift. It's an incredible privilege. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: Let's get on with the next beautiful reflection that you wanted to share, which is called Why God Allows Bad Things to Happen to Good People, because that is actually a comment, a question that often is a stumbling block for people who really don't understand how can there be a good God when bad things happen.
3: Thank you, Letty. I'm happy to I'm privileged to read Joanne's reflection, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And she was reflecting on her Psalm 136, and the uh, gospel was John chapter 11. The question not asked in the interview with God was one I find worrisome, and that is a topic of my reflection Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? This rather unsettling reality of our human condition is actually one of the most important ingredients in God's salvific plan for our lives. This gospel passage, the classic story of the rising of Lazarus, is why do bad things happen to good people in miniature? Why do bad things happen to good people in the history of calamity, an innocent man being put to death for us sinners? But that's precisely where this human problem of bad things happening to good people finds meaning. The fact is, all of this, all of the church services, all of the prayers, all of the faith in Jesus Christ won't save us from tragedy. It won't save us from humiliations. It won't save us from painful experiences. That's not what all of this is really about. Church isn't a magic trick. We don't come here so that our hopes and dreams will come true. We shouldn't be here so that our business endeavors end with great wealth. That's not what this is about. This week, I read, Jesus doesn't grant special exemptions from difficulties to his friends any more than the Father granted special exemptions to Jesus on that Good Friday in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. The Lazarus story is so perfect in conveying this important spiritual truth our spiritual nugget for the day. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were Jesus' friends for sure. Lazarus falls ill. They call to Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus gets the message and doesn't come to their aid. The gospel is very clear. He waits where he is for two days, and of course, Lazarus dies. The sisters ask, why? Why didn't you come to Lazarus' aid? You knew what was going to happen, and yet you didn't come. I wasn't there, but it seems plausible to me that they were pretty angry with Jesus. Mary and Martha, they're you and me in the story. They are our stand-ins for why bad things happen to good people. What happens next in the gospel account is quite beautiful. Jesus doesn't say anything. He doesn't try to explain where he was or make excuses for why he didn't come either what does he do? He simply goes to the tomb and cries. He weeps. He weeps for his friend, Lazarus, just as he weeps for the murdered people at Auschwitz, as he weeps for marriages that fail, as he weeps for wives being widowed and people suffering illnesses. He weeps with us. Then, as the story goes on, and as the foreshadowing of his own time in the tomb, he calls Lazarus out, back into the light. Now, here's the lesson. I read this week that God is not a God who necessarily rescues us. Rather, he's the God who redeems us. He saves us not for just this moment. His work is to redeem us for eternity. More often than not, he doesn't intervene to save us from calamity, humiliation, pain, or even death. What he does do is very important for our spiritual well-being. He redeems calamity. He redeems humiliation. He redeems even death when he gives us eternal life. It's interesting. Jesus treats Lazarus just as the Father treats Jesus. The Father doesn't rescue Jesus from the cross, and he treats you and me the same. His redemption, rather than rescue, is what actually gives meaning to the bad things that happen to good people you notice in this story and in our story he redeems after the fact rather than rescues before the fact this is precisely why we are able to accept tragedy in our lives because we believe that earthly tragedy is the fertile soil for eternal redemption this is why the lesson of Je- this was the lesson jesus was teaching that day with his friends if he wasn't, then he would have come immediately to heal Lazarus, and we, and we would have never bothered to read this profound story today. It's also, by the way, why atheism is so sad. If there is no redemption, then how can the pain of life ever find meaning? Jesus' suffering, your suffering, my suffering, is not about now. It is about forever with him in heaven. This is how we Christians come to understand redemptive suffering. Jesus never promised to rescue us from cancer or breakups or mass shootings or natural disasters. He did, however, promise to redeem us from those malfunctions of his good order. And eternal redemption is way more valuable than being rescued from our difficulties today.
1: Amazing. That is a truly beautiful reflection of a very difficult question that comes up all the time. I am so happy that I'm going to have a copy of that from the book.
3: Well, Letty, that actually was written after uh, the book was published. So it's not in the book, unfortunately. But I do agree that it should be published somewhere. (laughs)
1: Well, and if people are interested in getting a copy of it, do you think that would be possible to send to them?
3: Yes. So perhaps at the end when we um, talk about how uh, people, if they would like a copy, uh, uh, can obtain a copy, we can give them the address.
1: And hopefully there may be a way for you guys to find a way to publish that because that really is a profound uh, response in for a very difficult question that is often asked.
3: Absolutely. Joanne's reflection was so powerful and moving.
1: Well, we only have a couple of minutes left. So in these final few minutes, why don't we talk about what's next for the group? Are you going to continue to meet once a week?
0: I think a couple of times I floated out ideas about, uh, is the group going to end? And then I had suggested, well, maybe we would end after everybody had been vaccinated. Um, <laughs> But I, And that's getting closer and closer because most of the group is, is getting to that point, although Sarah might be a while yet. Um, I I think uh, uh, many of us are surprised that the group had the legs that it had, and now I think uh, people just have it slotted into their calendar. So I really have no idea. Um, I can see it continuing with... Uh, uh, with a less frequency, once every two weeks, uh, once a month. I mean, maybe after the pandemic happened uh, and that, but um, I keep waiting some weeks to see, you know, is it, it going to be a week where everybody drops off? And that we had uh, 14 out of 15 uh, last night and the week before. So for the most part, it seems to be a regular for everybody. So I, I've decided I, I have no idea if it'll ever end. Um, type of thing. I think we are committed that this is all going to go away. Um, uh, Virginia's mother actually lives in Hamilton, Ontario. So I think we've decided that sometime in the future when travel is all back, we are all going to at least get together.
1: How beautiful. Uh,
0: um, and celebrate, uh, each other, uh, and, and what we've done. Uh, it would be nice to see people face to face, um, uh, and share a share a food, share a meal and um, go to mass together. And I, and I think I would really like to go to. We have two Presbyterian members, and and we would like to mention, Judith um, is our scriptural scholar. She, uh, she knows more about scripture than all the other thirteen Catholics put together. Uh, not, surprising, so, not surprising.
1: <laughs> not surprising.
0: Yeah. And, she keeps amazing us every time she, she reads, she leads reflection and prayer. So it would be really good to, uh, to, to go actually, she has, uh, lives in, uh, lives has a, a, a community in Hamilton that has really struggled, uh, with their numbers and their, uh, their, uh, they have a historic church building type of thing. So I think it would be all great if we all went and worship with Judith as well. Uh, if we got together, uh, to meet her congregation and, uh, because I know they have prayed for us as we have prayed for them.
1: Beautiful. Well, I just want to thank you all for coming on the show and sharing your hearts and your experience, your journey, your pilgrim journey. Um, I think it's going to touch a lot of hearts. Um, I think it's a beautiful witness about community, the call to community, the call to um, share our hearts with one another and the power of prayer, right? The power of prayer, of praying for each other, of encouraging each other, of, not allowing times like this the pandemic to put us in a a corner in a dark place and feel alone but to really continue to experience god's love and his mercy and his grace um, through this beautiful example that you guys you know have uh lived for the past year so um peter thank you and and mary i hear was the other person kind of who who were inspired initially to kind of throw out the idea Thank you, Virginia, Christine, and all the other members who said yes to doing, you know, joining them on this journey. Um, in this final moment, Peter, how would people reach out to you if they felt they'd like to join this prayer group or they'd like to share prayer intentions uh, for you to pray about?
0: Sure, we'd we'll be happy to that. So we we do have a, an email address just for the prayer group. So it's prayer group fifteen at gmail.com so it's pretty straightforward and um we'll be happy to hear from people and uh they can actually contact us about uh, about a book copy as well if they if they don't uh find a way to get a copy through amazon
1: wonderful all right thank you all again and this is letty medina with fullness of life and until we meet again i'm wishing you all his fullness of life bye
5: Regina, do, et spes save Regina, not a misericordia, is a do cedo, espes nostra saver. A te clamamos, exuleus fili e me. A te suspiramos, gementes e flattez. In ac lacrimarum vale. Ega ergo, ar bocata nostra, ilus tuos misericordes oculos, ar nos convete. Et jesu, Benedictum fructum patris tu i nobis post exilium ostender. O oh, clement, O oh, pious, oh, 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 O just, virgo Mary.